life and may have it abundantly so that we may have peace in the midst of the greatest turmoil and tribulation of our life. And God, this morning in the midst of all that this week has been and this coming week will be, God, may we see you in your love this morning. Father, we thank you for for your grace, your mercy, and your peace. Father God, every word that comes from my heart, um, every word that comes from my mouth, may it be to glorify you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. As we are continuing through our our series, Journey with the Early Church, as we're marching through the book of Acts, um, verse by verse, section by section. Last couple weeks we were looking at Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, and then the Holy Spirit arrived um, upon the disciples as Jesus had had, um, proclaimed it was coming, and it was coming with power and authority. Um, he had said that in Acts 1.8 that when the Holy Spirit comes that they would have authority and power to go to the nations um, and he had said that in other places and given them this commission and saying when the Spirit comes your, your life will be radically changed so that's where we, we were at and now we, we have come to the place in scripture where the Holy Spirit has descended upon the disciples And now the harvest is coming. Peter, the one who 50-something days before, who um, in the midst of a garden standing by uh, a fire, um, would deny Jesus three times. When asked, are you with that, that man, Jesus of Nazareth? No, I don't even know him. To the point of even cursing before the rooster crowed that that same man Jesus stood with on the seashore and said do you you love me Peter three times and brought Peter to the point of repentance and reconciliation it's that man Peter now who's going to stand and preach the first sermon the church had ever heard this is the beginning of the church And so our roots, the church of the world, starts with this sermon. Yes, sermons have been preached by Jesus, but now the church had been anointed and and sent. And here's what Peter says in verse 14 through 21 in our text this morning. Peter stood up with eleven and raised his voice and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And I love what he says here. He says, and pay attention to my words. He's giving them an exhortation. Listen to what I've got to tell you. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, Lord, may you be with us this morning. Father, may we take this first sermon and apply it to our lives. The words that Peter quoted from Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, may we understand the context of that, that Lord. That the, the context was being unpacked right before the people of Jerusalem. And so, God, we pray, I pray again for anointing God to come upon this place to continue, Father, to bring us your spirit in a way that transforms lives. Father, I, I pray, God, for those who are distant from you right now, that there are members here that are a part of this place, that you, God, would draw them back to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, church, I want to begin by asking really two questions that actually come from the text. The first question is, is what would you say if someone were to ask you, do you think we're living in the last days? That's the first question we're going to kind of unpack from the text is, if someone come to you and says, do you think we are living in the last days that the Bible's talking about? what would be your answer and what would be the proof that you have? The second question I've got is this, is what should we expect before Jesus returns and how does that affect our witness and passion for Jesus? The reason I ask those two questions is because that's exactly what the text is talking about. In Joel chapter 2, in verses 28 through 32, Joel is prophesying about the last days. It's, it, it is a prophecy of before Jesus' return. And Jeter, Jesus um, puts upon the Holy Spirit, or puts upon Peter through the Holy Spirit, this passage to preach, to speak on, of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first sermon. So, 2,000 years after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Almost 2,000 years since the early church has, was formed, since the church was formed, the question is still being asked, are we living in the last days? What are the last days? There are ministries across America and across the world that actually focus just on, on this, the last days. They spend all of their time trying to go through Daniel and, and Joel and other places that predict the coming of Jesus, Revelation, and other passages trying to say, okay, Jesus is coming here. Here's what's going to happen here. I'm not going to do that this morning. One is, is I, I don't think it does us any good to do that because we cannot predict the hour or the moment that Jesus will return. I don't think when we look at the book of Revelation or even Joel chapter 2 and this sermon, 
the understanding of when Jesus is returning is, is the major impact. It's, the major impact is his returning, driving us to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why prophecy is written. Not so that we would be scared or know when he will return. But I still think it's a good and right question. Are we living in the last days? As a matter of fact, we're not the only ones asking that question, are we? Is the church the only ones asking that question? No. Two of my favorite kind of end of the world or near end of the world movies are the movie 2012 where um, the super volcano in uh, Yellowstone goes off and it begins to um, destroy the world but the government kind of looked to this and they made some big boats and saved some people and, and kind of like Noah's Ark kind of thing. The other one is the movie Armageddon. Has anybody ever seen either one of those movies? Armageddon. Okay. Go watch them. They're good movies. Armageddon, there's an asteroid heading this way, and it's going to destroy the earth. And, and they have to send, NASA sends up a spaceship to, uh, to this asteroid, and it's got some oil well diggers on it. And their job is to dig a hole deep enough to put a nuclear warhead into this asteroid to blow it up so that it won't destroy earth. And in that, we see a great sacrifice in both of those movies. In Armageddon, Bruce Willis himself, because of the functioning of the remote, won't work. Stays on the asteroid and sacrifices his life for the sake of humanity. Those are movies, you say. That's true. But this week in study, I started to look. I thought, let me, let me just Google end of the world and see what comes up and the first thing that come up was there there are seven famous theories about the end of the world one of them is a super volcano and actually there is a super volcano that exists do you know what that super volcano is it's a place katie and i visited um back in 2010 it's yellowstone it is a massive volcano and so there, there's this idea that this massive volcano will erupt and, and the end of the world will come. This cloud of smoke will come and, and all of a sudden humanity will no longer exist. There's also the explosion of a massive star. There is the spread of deadly disease, nuclear war, global warming, computer takeover, and death of the sun. Those are the seven famous ones. I was actually kind of um, kind of um, surprised that we did not and I did not see anything about space aliens coming to take over the world but the reality is we're not the only ones talking about the end of the world science talks about it through global warming and other things why do I mention all that I mention all that to say this Whether we want to talk about it or not, we are always focused on the end, are we not? Either the end of, uh, of, of something in our life, a season in our life, or the end of a life. We're always thinking about it. And when we come to this text, 
Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, lays a passage upon Peter's heart and he begins to preach. The question I have for you, church, the first question is this, are we living in the last days? I'm going to answer that from my understanding of this passage and other passages that we're going to talk about and read in just a moment. I believe the answer to that is yes. Matter of fact, I believe that Peter and the disciples thought they were living in the last days themselves. Matter of fact, I believe they were living and are living in the last days. The question is, well, is the last days 2,000 plus years? The last days could be two more thousand years. We do not know. But what we do know is that Jesus in his resurrection and ascension began the last days. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, the writer of Hebrews says this, Long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophet at different times and in different ways, and in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made him made the universe through him. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Peter writes this, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed these last times for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, These things have happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come. So we ask the question, are we living in the last days? The answer is yes. Jesus inaugurated the last days. His first coming started for his second coming. So if we believe that we are living in the last days and maybe the last of the last days, how should that impact us as a church? It should impact us the way the disciples were impacted by the movement of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached with with power and authority because the Holy Spirit was moving in his life because he believed that Jesus could return again at that moment. And if Jesus returned at that moment, those who were lost without Jesus had no hope. And so what did he do? He preached one of the most impactful sermons the church has ever seen. He says, here it is, church. Joel chapter 2. Jesus says this through the Holy Spirit. He says, and it will be in the last days, says, the, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all people. What was going on here? The nations who were Jewish were gathered together, were they not? In the text before, what do we see? There were uh, Corinthians, there were Medes, there were people who spoke different languages, and what did they hear? They heard prophecy be, being spoken in what? Their own languages. God was prophesying through the early church to the people so that they may be redeemed. Joel 2 was playing itself out right before their eyes. I don't know about you, but for me, one of the most glorious things 
is to see God's Word poured out before my eyes. Last week, weeks we have been praying, asking for the Holy Spirit to move in a way that anointed us and changed us and challenged us. Have we not? Have we not, church? We have been praying for that. Not knowing how God was going to pour out His Spirit. But on Monday morning, God poured out His Spirit in a way that absolutely broke my heart but has driven us to a place, church, that I think not only are we at this campus viable for the future, but God is getting ready to pour out Himself even more. It's not fun waking up and starting a week like I started this week or a family starting a week with a loss of a son. And I don't mean to bring that up, but I know I can bring that up because I know this family and I know what they said, that God in his infinite wisdom answered a prayer and I believe with all of my heart that this life will not be wasted because I believe that the Holy Spirit of God anointed us through this and he is prophesying and he is working through a tragedy saw it before my eyes this week as God used all of you to pour into a life and begin to, to minister to a family for the sake of the gospel you spoke words your actions were all part of the Holy Spirit of God moving. I believe with all my heart, if God had not anointed us this week, then we would have went through this week with such great fear and trembling and sadness and missed what God was trying to say. But because God prophesied through His Word and through this series even, and through our prayers, God began to unpack it, that we now are beginning to make a change. The few are going to make a difference in the masses. The few, those who are least of these. Peter, the one who is least of them, a fisherman, a man who was not in a profession that was well educated. This is not a man who would stand before normal, normally before people. He is a he, he's just a man who works with his hands. But he had an education unlike anything we have ever seen before. He spent three and a half years with Jesus, and then on the day of Pentecost, he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this man who we would described as an everyday common laborer, stood and preached with power and authority and unpacked a passage that was so great and so powerful that it changed 3,000 plus lives and instituted the church of Jesus Christ. And so church, we're living in the last days. We are. We, we know things on our planet aren't getting better, right? I mean, I mean, people aren't behaving better, are they? I mean, not just here, but across the board, are they? 
I mean, the Middle East could erupt in, in war at what? Any moment, right? If you live in the nation of Israel, guess what? Mortars and rockets are the norm for your life. Last night, 9.30, Lake Winnie decided to have a massive fireworks explosion. And it sounded like there was a war going off in my backyard because we live within moments, uh, minutes of Lake Winnie. And it went on and on and on. And knowing what I was preaching this morning, my heart was thinking, Lord, how would I live in a place where this was a constant thing, that warfare and this was going on, and not... And knowing it wasn't just beautiful explosions of, of fireworks, but these were mortars coming into my city and in my neighborhood. And then my heart turned, and I want you guys, you guys listen up. Braden. We don't have mortars going into our neighborhoods. But what we do have is explosive things such as prescription drugs that can kill. Cocaine. Bullets. Firearms. Hunger. All kinds of other issues that are exploding in our neighborhoods. And we are living in days where the church of Jesus Christ sits back weekly instead of going out with power and authority. This man, Peter, stood and he said, and it will be in the last days and I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, and I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women. If we are living in the last days, that this outpouring happened here, we as the church of Jesus should be praying, looking, asking God to do the same thing today. To pour out His Spirit where you and I speak with power and authority into lives that we prophesy into lives. What is prophecy? Is it telling of the future? No, it's looking at what's going on and knowing that if you continue to do this, this is what's going to happen. If someone continues to drink a couple bottles of Jack Daniels every day, it's pretty easy for us to predict what may happen, right? If you keep that up, you're going to what? Probably die of your liver's going to be gone. Something else may happen to you. That, that's prophecy. We know that God's Word's going to pour out into our lives. And here, here's a prophecy for you and I. If we will pray, if we will get before the Lord, if we will seek His face honestly every day of our lives, He will pour out His Spirit upon us. Our young middle school, high school, elementary students will, will have visions and will prophesy about the Lord Jesus Christ and they will speak with wisdom and power. They're, they're, they're up here talking right now. You know what? If that talking becomes the power of the living God, what would we do? What would we do if one of them stood up and spoke a powerful word of the living God? We'd say, oh, wait a minute. You're young. You can't do that. 
wouldn't we? If we're not in the Spirit. If, if Andrew Bingham, who's going to college here this week, if he stood all of a sudden with the power of the Holy Spirit and stood up and said, Church, I want you to know that God is moving and had a word for us, what would we do? That's what the text says will happen and is happening. And so the last days are, are, are these days where God will pour out His Spirit. So secondly, let me ask the question is, what should we expect before the return of Jesus? Here's what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, recklessness, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. I want to read this again, and I want everyone in the room to listen to the words of Paul and listen if this is the context where you live. But know this, hard times come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self. Is that going on? Is it going on? We do what? We are a selfie generation. Snapchat. Some of you are like, what in the world is that? It's a social media site. They take pictures, send it to friends. Once somebody opens it up, unless they purposely take a picture of it and save it, guess what's happened? It's gone. Instagram. Instagram. I've got friends on Instagram who are members of our church and members of the other churches that I'm part of. What do they do? Every day they have their selfie picture. In the mirror. Here we go. Senior adults are all over Facebook. You know, you know why students aren't going to Facebook anymore. You know why? Because those who are 50 and older have taken over Facebook. To say that, that senior adults are not on social media is not true. They're all over it. Twitter, people are, are posting. The President of the United States, most of the problems he gets into because he posts something on Twitter. My, my thought process for me is anytime I'm going to post something, think twice about it before I push send. But most people type it out and push send, and all of a sudden, guess what? The world knows it. So we are consumers of ourself. Lovers of money. 
Uh, that was self-explanatory, is it not? Boastful, proud. 2001, I had an opportunity to go to the United Kingdom on a church planting mission trip. It was in Glasgow, Scotland. And we were out canvassing neighborhoods, handing out flyers about an upcoming event that this new church plant was starting. And I began to notice something as I'm, I'm in these massive neighborhoods walking around handing out flyers. I began to notice something. People were out walking, but all of a sudden um, they would go across the street, they would come down, and then they would go back behind us and come back to the same side of the street. And so I'm with her. I keep noticing that, and I asked, finally asked the missionary. I said, um, Arvin, why, why are, are they doing that? And he said, they know you're an American. And I said, how do they know I'm an American? Because you walk with a boastful, prideful spirit. He said, it's nothing against you, but that's, they know by the way you walk. He said, watch them. They often walk with their heads down, just kind of approaching and, and going through life. Americans as a whole walk with their chest out and their heads up. And he says, I understand the idea of pride and stuff, but he goes, in a culture that's trying to push humility among all people, that's not good. That really spoke to me. Not the way that I walk, but the way that I give off the air of my life, how I speak and how I react. Is it boastful and proud or not? Demeaning, disobedient to parents. <laughs> Kids are, well, I can go on forever on that one ungrateful how many times have you ever done something for somebody and you don't hear the word what thank you it's almost as if you're expecting something is it not unholy you've often heard me say this but pornography is on the rise not only amongst young men but young women This just this week, I heard of a story, I heard a true story, and I didn't see it, and, but I've seen multiple reports on it that the, college, the Little League World Series, one of the young men, one of his heroes was a porn star. It's becoming so accepted in society that that's not a big deal. Slanderers, there's all kinds of things we can continue to go through this text. So, what should we expect before the return of Jesus? That to get worse. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 14. Then they will hand over you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away 
betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end of the end will come. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying worldwide persecution of Christianity will come. It is already moving across the globe. We have it comfortable right now. But the day will come when persecution comes here. The question then will become, how do you and I respond to that persecution? Will we stand firm or we, we, will we begin to deny doctrines, deny things, deny the holiness of, of, of marriage or deny the, the deity of Christ? What will we do for the sake of, of giving in and not being persecuted? Will we fall away or will we stand for the gospel and the glory of Christ? It says many false prophets will rise up. There will be men and women who proclaim to be followers of Christ and they will be sharing messages that aren't true. And, are, and we will buy into them because they will sound good. But lawlessness will multiply and the love will grow cold. So in closing, church, Peter's first sermon is actually about this. Are you ready for the return of Christ? And do you understand that all that the Old Testament had prophesied had come and now was before you and, and was standing before you? And matter of fact, some of you were even there in the crowd saying, crucify him. It, he was here, and now his word of hope and redemption is before you. Will you receive that? So in closing, here's what I want to ask, church. Where will the Holy Spirit find us? Adults and students alike, children and senior adults, middle-aged of us, where will God find us in those last of last of last days? Will we be open to prophesy and speak the word of the Lord because we are praying and seeking that? Or will we be found with those who are willing to slander and disobey? This is a message and a warning in the first sermon. And over the next few weeks, over the next week, we're going to unpack what Peter says about this text. But here's where I want to leave us. How urgent, hear me, how urgent and how broken are we to get the name of Jesus to the nations and to our community 
into the lives around us. Are we praying for these guys right here to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Or are we just praying for them to behave? Are we praying for our senior adults to, to dream dreams and have visions? Or to just to have good health? Our lives will not be wasted if in the end Jesus Christ is glorified. So, church, are we really wanting a Holy Ghost, Pentecostal movement of God? Or are we complacent and happy just to get to the end? For me and my family, We want a movement of God that shakes this church and this community for the gloriousness of Jesus Christ. I want my son to run in the house and say, Daddy, Daddy, Jesus did this today through me at kindergarten. Daddy, Jesus used me today to talk to a boy or a girl who felt unwanted. That's what I want for us. And so let's pray and let's respond to how God wants us to respond. Father, this morning, God, the last days are here. They're among us. We have been in them 2,000 years, and it becomes so easy to think, well, it's been 2,000, maybe, maybe it'll be another 2,000, and we just kind of live comfortably. God, that, that is the... the, the, that is the the trick of the devil that is the enemy saying be complacent and God he is he is being very successful in the church in America the church in America is very complacent the church in America is, is very satisfied the church in, in Hamilton County Father in Chattanooga Tennessee is very complacent and very satisfied God, we are asking, I am asking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just like the day of Pentecost, just like what Joel chapter 2 said, that you will use young men and young women to prophesy, God, that the Word of God will, will so pour from them that, that God, that, that us as, as, as older adults will become convicted because we see you pouring into them and through them for the sake of God. For the sake of the kingdom, God, that you will take men like Quentin and, and women like Heather 
and Heather Newberry, God, young couples, and Andrew Bingham and others, Father Kyle, so on and so on, God, you will take those young men and young women, God, and you will pour your spirit upon them. You will take our, our senior saints, God, and you will pour your spirit in them, that you will take all of us, Father, and, and use us for your glory, that you will take, God, you will take us. You will break us. And God, yes, I know this week your anointing fell. And God, what I realize about when your anointing fails, we want more of it. We want more and more and more of it because it is you. It is not the filling, but it is you yourself that we sense and see. So God, this morning I ask that you, you draw people to yourself. That you draw people to the altar and, and who want a burning heart for the gospel, want a burning heart for this community, want a burning heart for, for, for your word to pour out, that they realize this is the last days and that we have to be so focused in on you. So God, may your spirit pour out right now. God, may, may prophecy speak right now. In Christ's name.